Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and I am excited to introduce you to Dr. Lori Shemek. Dr. Lori Shemek is a nutrition and weight loss expert, a best-selling author, and specializes in weight loss resistance. She has helped many people to lose weight once and for all and feel better fast. She shows people how to spot sneaky foods that create weight gain, to kick sugar addiction to the curb, and shift from eating the wrong foods to the exact foods that burn fat. Dr. Shimmick is an award-winning, best-selling author of How to Fight Fat Flammation, newly author of uh, The Ketogenic Key, Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting, and Fire Up Your Fat Burn. She is a leading health and wellness expert and also known as, I love this, the Inflammation Terminator. She has made it her mission to help clients lose weight and educate the public on the toxic effects of certain foods and lifestyle choices and how they create inflammation in the body resulting in weight gain. She is a leading authority on inflammation and its role in weight loss, preventing disease, and optimizing health. And you can see articles she's written. You can see her appearing all over TV. I mean, I could read the long list, but right now, I just want to welcome you to the show, Dr. Lori. Uh, thank you, Erin, for having me. You know, really, it's an honor to be here, so I appreciate that. So yeah, this is exciting. Um, it's it's yeah. exciting to on and to talk about your book, The Ketogenic Key, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes, it is just uh, in a couple days, it'll be completely released. And so we're all excited about that over here. And um, yeah, it's it really, uh, all of my work really boils down to fighting inflammation. And when you do that, then you're really on the right path. I love that. Yeah, you're speaking my yeah. language there. So I'm excited to to dive into what's yeah. in this book and what got you to write it. And so maybe just break down for people who hear the word ketogenic and have heard all sorts of things, but don't really know what it is. What is the, the ketogenic diet? So there are, you know, there are uh, the majority of Americans, let's just start out by saying that ingest a whopping 300 grams of carbohydrates a day, right? Uh, The average American ingests 156 grams of sugar, uh, uh, pounds, sorry, of sugar a year. And that equates to about 22 teaspoons of sugar a day. And so these are all carbohydrates. And they, the, problem is, is that most people don't realize that they're ingesting that much carbohydrate. And so, you know, you, you think about the average person's meal, well, they're trying to eat healthy. They eat, you know, they they go to the grocery store to get whole wheat bread, not realizing that that whole wheat bread's bumping up their uh, blood sugar level as much as two tablespoons of sugar, that that yogurt that they think is so healthy has more sugar than a candy bar. And juice, if they're drinking juice, it's just a glass of carbohydrates, but mostly liquid sugar. Okay. So um, those are examples of foods that many people believe are healthy when in fact, they're just the opposite. They're causing inflammation in the body. Um, 
So when you have a diet, such as the standard American diet, and its acronym is SAD, which is very telling, uh, it is causing uh, people to ingest a lot of carbohydrates, okay? And this 300 average, 300 gram count daily, is causing people to become very glucose dependent. And that is the key there. When your body runs on glucose, which it does very easily, it loves glucose, right? It's, an, it's uh, a type of fuel the body is using because that's what you're giving it. And the problem with glucose is that unlike, uh, which we'll go into in a little bit, ketogenic fuel, uh, ketones, it is a dirty type of uh, fuel in the metabolism of it. So it's like an exhaust from a gasoline-powered car, right? Versus the ketogenic fuel, the ketones are like an electric car, which produces barely any type of disruption and toxic toxicity to the body. So that is the, the core problem. Now, if you're about to run, um, you know, do a, a 10K or whatever, sugar's fine because you're going to use it up. Glucose is just fine. And yet we know, however, that when people do the ketogenic diet, that you can ingest sugar and uh, say an exogenous ketone, which is a supplement, a ketone supplement, and the body prefers the ketones. Okay, so that just shows you it's a preferential source that is being utilized. And um, so when you do a ketogenic diet, you're, you are literally um, preventing the body from using glucose as fuel. And you become more fat adapted. You become a fat burner instead of a sugar burner, right? And you can be, you can use, still use glucose in your diet uh, once you become fat adapted. But it is, uh, but it takes a little while to get to that point. When you do get to that point, you are then metabolically flexible, which is fantastic because you can eat more carbs and yet still even stay in ketosis, for example. Wow. So that metabolic flexibility then would be the key. Like that's the goal. That's, that's what we all want, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the ketogenic diet is also uh, not, not just about optimizing your cellular health, right? Which we can go into as well, but it's also about um, just, you know, living a, a way of life that's extremely healthy, that's going to promote weight loss and better brain health, better memory, focus, mm -hmm. um, athleticism, sleep, better sleep. The list goes on and on. And it really is a long list of benefits. Yeah, it really is amazing how I don't know if, if people realize how many nutrition experts are saying that, that this is beneficial. You know, I think a lot of people right. are, are seeing it as a fad diet, mm -hmm. but it's been around for a long time to help with epilepsy. And if it can help right. with epilepsy That's... and thinking about things like um, cognitive decline and all these things that are plaguing us right now because of the <laughs> sugar and carbs that we overload mm -hmm. ourselves on, like this, this is a big deal. This is really something that's worth considering for a lot of people. I think so too. And you know, the, the problem with the ketogenic diet, however, and so I have to say my book, The Ketogenic Key, mm -hmm. talks about four different ways to get into ketosis, not just with a diet. So mm -hmm. if you are one of those that can't do the diet, you're, you can't 
cut your carbs down to 50 or less a day, then there are other ways to get into ketosis. And uh, no matter what, it's all going to benefit you in the end. And, you know, and as you said, you know, you think about, for example, research has been done uh, with people with mild cognitive impairment or Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. They, uh, you know, their brain is having trouble with the glucose that the body is metabolizing, right? The brain isn't getting enough glucose. But with ketones, when you administer exogenous ketones to them, the brain loves it. So they do better, the brain does better, and obviously they're up, great, up leveling their health as well. So it doesn't cure Alzheimer's, uh, but it does help slow down the effects. That's, yeah, that's super interesting. And so what's the difference between the ketogenic diet and a low, low carb diet? Because I know you kind of go into that in the book. Can you explain that? Yeah, Aaron, that's a good question. Yeah, because a lot of people think it's one and the same and it's mm -hmm. actually not. So they're, they're very different. Um, as I mentioned, the average person is eating 300 grams of carbs a day, right? Which is an enormous amount. And um, so uh, a low carb diet, if you were to cut that over in, uh, down to 100 grams a day, that would be considered a low carb diet. 75 to 100 grams of carbohydrates a day is considered a low carb diet. Um, however, if you've got a little bit of fat, 10, let's say 10 pounds or whatever, that low carb diet probably won't cut it, okay? Unless you do throw in some intermittent fasting with that. Um, because you really do need to get into ketosis in order to really help shed, shed belly fat, which is one of the hardest and one of the most inflammatory fats out there. <laughs> yes. And that is something, you know, I'm seeing more and more people talk about how instead of BMI, we should look at that waist hip ratio because right, the more right. belly fat we have, the more it predisposes us to all sorts of chronic disease, right? right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That belly fat is uh, really dangerous because it's not just you, what you see on the belly. You know how you see some people that look like they're pregnant? Mm -hmm. That fat is going inside the body around the organs. Right. And chances are that they also have fatty liver, right? As well, because they're, they've gotten to this point, which is most likely insulin resistance, which keeps uh, the cycle going of weight gain and poor health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that can cause all sorts of problems. Like you can't, I mean, if you have a fatty liver, you can't process your hormones, right. And you're right. on all these things that our liver is supposed to do to detox. Right. Us. It doesn't, that's happen. a really good point. So, you know, when talking about the liver, uh, the liver is your number one fat burning organ. Mm. So if you have fat in your liver and you have a lot of excess glucose going on, um, which that the liver turns to fat because it can't store anymore, then you're in trouble because yeah. that fatty liver is preventing your number one fat burning organ from burning fat in your body. So the key is to reduce the belly fat, shed the belly fat. And the way to do that is to get into ketosis. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about intermittent fasting because I've had so many questions recently, like, why don't you do an episode on intermittent fasting? And I'm sure I probably could devote a whole, a whole entire episode to it, but um, like eat for a certain walk. Certain yeah. yeah. Uh, because there's so many different ways to do it. Right. And, and right. there are different, I have 
well, let's just, why don't you explain what, what intermittent fasting is? Okay. Yeah. So intermittent fasting is really a wonderful thing that, you know, we've been doing since the beginning of man, because we have now we have access to food 24 seven, but you know, <laughs> back in the day there, we had to hunt our food. We had to wait for the next meal to come around. Um, even eating three meals a day, actually became the norm this last century okay it's a good point and yeah and so it was never like that before so that we were told we need three square meals a day and snacks and on top of that we have more food available to us than ever before which is really sad and unfortunately all of that food is really unhealthy food so what we have to do is we're hardwired to fast People don't think so because they can't easily because they're eating those 300 grams of carbohydrates a day, right? And so once, um, and you know, I talk about my book, uh, The Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting, why you don't want to jump into it because you won't do it, all right? Mm -hmm. Because the body's like, whoa, you know, when you don't have enough, um, when you're glucose dependent, then you're not you're not using your fat for fuel mm. okay so that takes a little shift and it doesn't take long you know how when you wake up in the morning say you eat breakfast at eight o'clock right or seven o'clock your stomach starts growling at that time that's just the circadian rhythm of your body and our bodies in every aspect every single our gut bacteria every single aspect of our body is run on a circadian rhythm. Mm. And so once you begin to change that time that you have your breakfast, say you wait, you, you decide that you're going to eat breakfast, not at eight o'clock, but you're going to wait until nine o'clock to eat it. That's how you do it. You extend the fasting time you know, until you're ready to do however long you want. If you only want 12 hours, that's fine. And that's very doable because, you know, if you don't get up at night and eat, you're fasting for eight hours anyway. Yeah. And so that, you know, you just keep on tacking, you keep tacking on an hour, you know, how, whatever, whenever it feels comfortable for you just to move on. And ideally most people, the most popular method is 16, eight, mm-hmm. where you are fasting for 16 hours and remember eight hours of that is sleeping and then you have a feeding window they call it a feeding i always think of like a horse eating out of a bucket when they say that but the feeding window is simply eight hours you have to eat food okay and you can add you can throw in some meals in there you can eat one meal two three it doesn't matter you still have that that feeding window and research shows that during that time now, even if you eat horrible food, which I do not advocate, you right. will still lose weight with intermittent fasting unless you eat an excess amount of food. So um, don't eat horrible food, okay, with intermittent fasting because you're going to lose some of the benefits of it anyway when you do that. So eating a, you know, a very healthy diet while intermittent fasting, and you know we've all done it. You think about fasting for 12 12 hours before a blood test, right? That's excellent. 12 hours of fasting right there. Or you've waited to have, you're meeting your friends for brunch. So you you delay breakfast or lunch, if you will, for a couple hours. Those are examples of fasting that people can do, but it is truly a mindset issue. And, um, And that's the problem that people have 
They think they're going to starve and you will not starve at all. You will uh, actually, you, you will get hunger pangs in, in the beginning, but they go away really quickly. Mm -hmm. And even if you, it sounds funny, but if you drink water, they, they make them disappear. Or you drink water with lemon, the sourness in the lemon uh, stops the craving. But um, so there are so many benefits to intermittent fasting. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits that I think is most important besides the weight loss is that it, like the ketogenic diet, it creates insulin sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And that is a key component to optimal health. Perhaps the best marker of optimal health is insulin sensitivity. And uh, so both of those uh, do uh, create insulin sensitivity. And another thing that intermittent fasting does is it creates what's called autophagy, which simply yeah. is cellular house cleaning, right? And that means that when you're not eating, all the magic happens. The body can then focus on all the gunk that's going on inside your cells. It can clean it out. It can remodel it. It can do whatever it needs to do the cells with it. Okay. And so that's a really very, very important component to intermittent fasting. And uh, you get into a deeper autophagy with intermittent fasting than you do with uh, the ketogenic diet. Both of these are in my book, The Ketogenic Key. I talk about them at length. And, um, and then the other thing that happens, which is also very important, is you create something called bi uh, mitochondrial biogenesis, which Ooh, means that. <laughs> which means that you are increasing the number of mitochondria within the cells, okay? And if uh, one doesn't know, mitochondria are simply little organelles that produce ATP, which is our cellular energy. Without mitochondria, we would not be alive. And that's why naturally, as we get older, we feel more tired, we don't have that oomph. You see little kids running around bursting with energy, right? Mm -hmm. They have a lot of mitochondria and they're healthy mitochondria. So as we get older, our mitochondria become less healthy and we also lose a lot of them. So that's why you see elderly people who are very tired and frail. That's because they're lacking mitochondria, healthy and the number of them, right? So intermittent fasting promotes more mitochondria and improves the health of them. And so does the ketogenic diet as well. And so, you know, if I were to recommend anything, I would say absolutely do at least 12 hours of intermittent fasting daily. Yeah. And I think that, like you said, for most of that, you're sleeping anyway. That's, that's yeah. doable. That's right. I, most of the time I, I do that without even thinking about it, you know, and without even meaning You're to. You're not alone. And, yeah. You know, yeah. the people, it's so funny because I was always one of those that ate breakfast, right? And I was like, oh, good, breakfast is here. And um, it turns out there are a lot of people that never like to eat breakfast. And that's just their, their way. But that, that was a healthy choice and they didn't know it but your mother made you eat your breakfast before you went to school. You know? Right. Well, and that's what we were told, you know, breakfast is mm -hmm. the most important meal of the day. But then when you think about like the actual word breakfast, break fast, it doesn't yes. mean yeah. morning at seven o'clock. It's like just whenever you break your fast, you uh -huh. know? Yeah. So true. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, it, it's very important to not eat all the time. So mm -hmm. when you keep 
eating, every time you eat, you bump up your, you um, switch on insulin, right? Insulin's triggered. Mm -hmm. And insulin is a fat storage hormone. And it likes to, it's kind of like a little Pac-Man. It, it likes to gobble up the sugar in your, your body and then store it in your cells for energy at a later time. But um, the problem is, is that with the amount of food people eat, you know, all of that snacking, the constant nibbling, the grazing all day, that is literally bumping up your insulin levels. And it's, that is not a healthy situation to be in. It's inflammatory. Um, and the, the best thing you can do is to just not snack. If you do anything at all, stop the snacking because nobody is that hungry. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think you raise yeah. a really good point. Nobody's that hungry. And, but we are, if we're on that blood sugar roller coaster of eating all the time, right? And eating a lot of carbs. Yeah. Makes you think you're hungry. Sugar. Makes you think you're hungry, right? The blood yeah. sugar is crashed. And so the body likes to maintain balance. So it needs to bring that blood sugar back up. And so what do we do? The first thing we do is go in search for that candy bar. And that is the problem. That is, you know, it's, yeah. it's a vicious cycle. That, it really is. Yeah, it's like kind of, you know, when you bump up that blood sugar, it, uh, it's kind of like throwing a ball high up into the air and watching it fall rapidly to the ground. That's your blood sugar on sugar and carbs, okay? And that, you know, and even uh, healthy carbs with fiber is, mm -hmm. is a problem as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and so what would you say to somebody who has questions about intermittent fasting being too much of a stressor, specifically for like female hormones and our adrenals and, you know, we go, go, go. And right. what, what do you say to that? Well, I personally do not recommend intermittent fasting for people who aren't used to it and are under a lot of stress. So say mm -hmm. that you're a mother you have two little children at home and you're running your own business, right? Even having two little children is enough to cause yeah. stress. Right? <laughs> you, so, uh, but that adding intermittent fasting into the mix very quickly is going to be a stressor. It's not going to do you any good. You're not going to like it and you won't do it. So the best way to do it is to ease into it gradually. And that's why we say begin to stop snacking. And people are, it's, you know, snacking is a big thing because it's a very habitual thing. It's not just that people are hungry. It's just what they do when they're bored, you know, or they don't, you know, they're not really hungry because true hunger is, this is my, my uh, go-to to check to see if you are truly hungry. Will you eat raw broccoli? The broccoli test. <laughs> and if you do not eat that raw bro broccoli, then, you know, uh, it's, you know, you're not really that hungry. That is, I like that. I'm going to start using that because I really, raw broccoli is not my favorite. Um, so I, I, I broccoli cooked, but no, huh? Raw. Right. So that's, I love that. Um, yeah. And, and I think maybe you could, this would be a good time to jump into what, what are some snacks that you, like if somebody wants to switch over to not snacking as much, but maybe they want to transition to some healthier, like more nutrient dense snacks, what would you recommend for them to make that switch to start getting their bodies used to a better source of fuel? That's a great question. Yeah. I would say make sure that you're eating a nutrient rich food with healthy fat. Okay. Yeah. And, or a protein like an egg, 
would be a great one uh, because what you want is either protein or you want a healthy fat. So an avocado, you know, would be a great uh, half an avocado, a quarter of an avocado would be great to have with that. Um, nuts is another example, but all of these are really high in nutrients. And the, the thing about them is that they will keep you satiated. The fat will balance your blood sugar and the protein will balance your blood sugar as well. In fact, uh, protein sends a signal to the brain really quickly that you've had enough to eat. It triggers you know, leptin, which tells the brain you've had enough to eat, tamps down on the, the hunger hormone ghrelin. And uh, so when you get that, that right balance, you're not overeating protein, you're not overeating um, fat, then you, you will be doing a world of good for your body and your weight. Uh, but I do have to uh, let you know about this caveat, which is if you're a woman over 40 and you have belly fat, for example, um, and of course that's the hardest place to get rid of, then I recommend that you add in more protein to your diet mm. because it is the protein because you're going to be help. It's going to help you balance. It's going to help you promote muscle mass, which then boosts your metabolism, which helps you burn calories. The digested uh, digestion process of protein is thermogenic in and of itself. So protein is a very, uh, very important go-to if you are struggling with belly fat, if you're trying to lose weight, if your metabolism has slowed, if you're, if you're over 40 or whatever, and add some weight training to that, some strength training, resistance training of any kind to boost muscle mass, mm -hmm. and you are good to go. That's really going to help. That's, that's such a good reminder. I'm one of those people that I've always loved cardio just because I love that rush I get from it. Yeah. And recently I just turned 39 and recently <laughs> I, um, I'd never started, know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I started adding in strength training cause I knew like, I've always loved cardio, loved yoga, but I knew I needed that extra. And it's been hard for me because I see my body changing, like gaining muscle and yeah. I don't like it because it's bigger, <laughs> you know what I mean, at first. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. to get past that. So, but it is, I know that it's so important for this age oh, it is. to be doing that. It is. I mean, honestly, if, if you do one thing, it's, it's, you know, cardio is very good for your heart. It's good for your health, your mental well-being. Uh, but in terms of, of uh, weight loss and, say, longevity, weight training has it beat, right? Yeah. So if you can combine cardio and strength training of any kind, then you have the magic elixir right there. Uh, research shows that those who do that kind of strength training, resistance training, live longer. Hmm. So there's, because you're, you're uh, creating insulin sensitivity with muscles. And that's yeah. so important. I, I've got yeah. Alzheimer's in my genes, you know, like both yeah. my, my dad's parents had Alzheimer's and I know that insulin sensitivity is contributes oh. to that. And yeah. so, um, or insulin resistance can contributes to that. So, um, right. Insulin yeah. Resistance. right. Yeah. It's yeah. Especially if you have, um, that in your family. So you probably have the APOE three, four gene somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, it's really important to do exercise for brain health mm -hmm. because they show it's, you know, simply 
uh, living a lifestyle that's anti-inflammatory with exercise is going to really prevent it. They say lifestyle, healthy lifestyle choices, heart health. If you think about choices you would make for heart health, the same would be true for that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why do you think, you know, thinking about heart health, it makes me think about how we've been told forever that we need to eat a low fat diet for our hearts. Right. right? So why, why were we told that? And why are we now seeing that shift to more healthy fats? Well, the, there is more evidence now showing that uh, saturated fat is healthy for you Mm -hmm. because it's not, People think that when you eat a lot of saturated fat, you're going to increase your cholesterol. It is more about um, that the types of food you're eating is oxidizing that cholesterol. Mm. There's inflammation going on. So if you uh, are eating a lot of sugar and, and refined carbohydrates, for example, it's going to create inflammation, say, on the arterial wall that will oxidize that cholesterol, LDL, which then, uh, as we know, becomes plaque eventually. And LDL is really, a, it's fine. It's, it's just, it's kind of like you see a fireman at the fire and you think, oh, he started the fire. No, he's trying to put it out. The same thing mm-hmm. is true of LDL cholesterol. It's like a Band-Aid, right? And so HDL, the good cholesterol, is good because it comes in and sweeps up all of that excess cholesterol that may be circulating in your system. So that's why those uh, who have higher HDL have more protection and uh, because they're obviously eating a better diet or they're getting a lot of exercise, but they have a lot of it circulating around. Even if they were eating a poor diet, the HDL may be protective in that case. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, you know, in terms of also APOE 3-4, um, that SNP, it is uh, really important to make sure that your saturated fat isn't in excess because we don't know for sure uh, whether it is, you know, because there are more cardio problems with heart disease problems with people with that SNP. So that's no, that's super interesting to know. So you mentioned, um, inflammation. And I'd love to talk about that for a little bit and how that is kind of at the root of just about everything, right? I mean, you're the inflammation terminator, right? So so, so let's talk about what it is and why it's a problem and why we are seeing just this increase in inflammatory conditions all over. You know, um, so let's just talk about what inflammation is first. So there are two types of inflammation. And the first type is called acute inflammation. And it's not so cute because it hurts and it's painful, it's swollen, but it's a necessary part of our immune system. Without it, we would not heal, right? So it's that black and blue sprained ankle, that cut on the finger, that skin knee, that terrible head cold. Those are examples of acute inflammation in which the body is going to heal it. So you take, let's take that cut on the finger. So when you cut your finger, an enormous amount of inflammatory molecules are released. And soldiers, if you will, rush to the site to repair the wound. They repair the wound, the wound heals, the soldiers go away, the inflammation goes away, and all is well, right? So that's the first type, acute. The second type is called silent or chronic. And this is the core underlying cause of most illness, disease, 
faster aging and weight gain. And it causes diseases like every, almost everything, everyone you can think of, like cancer and Alzheimer's, rheumatoid arthritis, osteoporosis, obesity, type 2 diabetes. These are uh, really, you know, they're horrendous. They wreak havoc on not only your life, but obviously your health. And so silent inflammation is like having a sore on the inside of your body that you can't feel unless you take steps to reverse inflammation within the body. And this is the problem. So people, for example, who have an unhealthy diet are more at risk because their immune system is more depressed, right? Because they have circulating inflammation going on. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, we've got diseases like heart disease that show up. Uh, I talked a little bit about arterial calcification and inflammation. And so we, what we want to do is we want to stop this, reverse this silent inflammation. And that's the key. So if you think about uh, your fat cells as well, a type of silent inflammation is going on within the fat cell, which is keeping you at an overweight number or it, the ever continuing pounds that keep accruing each year, right? So that, that fat cell inflammation in and of itself is silent and we don't know it's there. And that's a problem. It's, if we knew it was there, we could, you know, we, something we would stop doing, hopefully what we're doing to create this. Um, so you look at your fat cell like uh, a factory because, you know, 24-7, it's spewing out these inflammatory molecules, mm -hmm. and this has a metabolic effect that's slowing down your, um, your metabolism, causing weight gain for you. And it becomes a vicious cycle because the more weight you gain, the more inflammation within the fat cell, mm -hmm. and there you go. So uh, what we want to do is intervene and eat an anti-inflammatory diet. The ketogenic diet is highly inflammatory, anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. It produces a ketone called BHB, beta-hydroxybutyrate, that actually blocks the NLRP3 inflammasome. Oh, wow. That, that is huge because it's blocking inflammation in the body and important for diseases like heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, etc. So this inflammasome is is really well known, and if we can stop it in any way, then uh, that's what we need to do. So eating an anti-inflammatory diet, and I tell people to, you know, just choose foods that are really nutrient rich. And when when you do that, you're giving your cells the nutrients to do what they need to do in order to protect you. So we've been hearing a lot about COVID and the underlying inflammation, mm -hmm. the obesity, type two diabetes. These are conditions that cause excess inflammation. I talked about the fat cell inflammation. That's an example, type two diabetes and you know insulin resistance, all inflammatory. So if we can reverse the inflammation in the body. You do want some inflammation, but you don't want an excess up, okay? So silent inflammation, unlike acute inflammation, which produces a whopping amount of inflammatory molecules, but it goes away, right? So the silent inflammation promotes just a trickle of inflammatory molecules. And you would think, well, this is better, right? But it isn't because it never goes away like acute inflammation.
Wow. And that's something that people could see, like if they wanted to get lab work done, um, what would that be like? C-reactive protein? Is that something that tells us? Is there something else? Yeah, no, I'm, that's great because what that does is uh, the CRP test, C-reactive protein, is an inexpensive test, very inexpensive. It tells you that you have inflammation in your body, you know, depending on if it's low, that's good. Uh, the lower, the better. Uh, if it's high, you know you have some work to do, right? Mm -hmm. That immediately you need to, you need to start reversing this inflammation. And many times, you know, almost a hundred percent of the time, when people go on a ketogenic diet uh, or they start intermittent fasting, they then reverse this inflammatory process within the body, wow. which is wonderful. That's huge, and and I love that. Yeah that you give those options that, especially in your book, that you have all these options listed, that it's not just, you don't have to eat this, you know, super, super strict keto diet all the time. But like, if you can add in intermittent fasting and then yep. maybe also do keto, you know, like, is there wiggle room there for where, like, if I go to a restaurant and, you know, want to well, have a little bit of carbs, like, is that where we can have flexibility? How does that work in real life? Like if we're going out to eat or right. something? So, okay. When you do the ketogenic diet, you're, you have at the most 50 grams of carbs a day. That's one bagel. Okay. A day. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, and so what in the ketogenic diet, what you, where you mostly get your carbs are from uh, non-starchy vegetables. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's typically where, or cheese say, for example, mm -hmm. or, you know, yogurt or something. Um, but the problem is, is that if you, you, you get into ketosis with that, and if you were to go to say a Mexican restaurant and have some tortilla chips, then you're bumped right out of ketosis, right? Right. There goes all your hard work. And, um, but you can easily get back in, but that's the problem going back and forth. It's, it's going to, it takes sometimes some people, it takes three days, some people a week, and some people a couple weeks. And then there are cases where it's taken months to get into ketosis. But you can do it efficiently and very effectively with an exogenous ketone supplement, right? Mm -hmm. So you take one of those delicious little ketone packets, powders, and you drink it, and you're in ketosis in uh, under half an hour. Oh, and wow. so that's a really great way to mitigate uh, the damage done. <laughs> yeah. What about MCT oil? Does it, does that work in a similar way? Yes. It's fantastic. It's a less expensive way to add ketones to your, to your diet. Right. Okay. So if, um, if you're doing everything, you're doing the ketogenic diet, you're, even if you're doing relatively low carb, right. Low, let's say 75 grams of carbs a day mm -hmm. uh, versus 50. Um, and you're doing, you're not eating breakfast and you're exercising and you add some MCT oil to your diet, oh my gosh, you are, you are rocking it in terms of everything that's beneficial for your health, your weight, because MCT oil contains, uh, generates ketones. It's processed in the liver. It's, it's very, very, very challenging for the body to store it as fat. So it's oh. utilized immediately as energy. Okay. And that's a really great thing. So we're getting ketones and we're getting a, a really wonderful source of energy. It's promoting gut health and all sorts of wonderful things happen. 
Yeah. Ooh, I love talking about gut health too. So yeah, that's health, good. That's another important topic, which, you know, both of these, you know, ketogenic diet and the intermittent fasting promote better gut health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's another yeah. thing that, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but y'all just need to get the book because <laughs> you go into all the different types of fiber. And I think that that's important in the different types of soluble, insoluble, prebiotic fiber, which mm -hmm. we need to make the short chain fatty acids. I mean, right. there, there are so many things that you mentioned in the book. Plus you did read the book. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I tried. I, I like. I'm, I'm a big nerd in that way, so I loved it. Um, but I do like, and just for listeners to know, I really like the practicality of it. I love. There's a lot of um, meal, really good meal ideas, and um, oh, there's something on there that I thought I'm gonna have to go back. And there's a there's a recipe making. A, it was like an egg sandwich, but with cheese as the. Yeah. Right. Like almost like cheese as a bun, kind of. But it, it's like, um, I wish I could remember, because there's a lot of different kinds of recipes that are super easy. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was, the, it, oh, it was, uh, I know what you're talking about. The cheese, grated cheese, uh -huh. that was pan fried, right? So you pour the yes. cheese, throw, and you, you get it nice and crispy, and then you add in whatever is filling you want, you know? Mm -hmm. Of course, it, like avocados and, you know, some type of meat, for example, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that really, was really... Those recipes are great because they don't take, like, I think maybe three of them might take a longer period of time, but the rest are just boom, you know. Yes. And that's what we need is easy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, one, one last thing I want to get into is alcohol because that's always a question, right? Like, you know, we're in the Dallas area, both of us are in the Dallas area and Dallas people love their alcohol and wine and, and how yeah, bad does a glass of wine? down the hair salons, you know, and, but they kept the, the alcohol shops open. Uh, yes. You know, I mean, the, the liquor store is open. It was hilarious. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, when you are on a ketogenic diet, um, when you're drinking alcohol, it's important to remember there are certain types of alcohol not to imbibe in, if you will, uh, but there are others that you can. And But it's also important to remember that any type of alcohol, when you ingest it, stops the fat burning process immediately because the liver has to stop. Remember we talked about it being your number one mm -hmm. fat burning organ. The liver has to stop doing that and then it has to metabolize that ethanol, right? That alcohol. Mm -hmm. So um, but so the good ones are like hard liquor, like gin, for example, has no carbs in it. Anything that doesn't have any carbs, no beer, that's that, right. you know, <laughs> uh, because it's also high in fructose. Uh, wine is a little bit better, um, but the, the dry reds are good. Mm -hmm. So you look for carb count and, um, and how, you know, and how easy, easily metabolized it is. So yeah. there are wine companies out there like, um, well, I won't mention the names, but they are considered low sugar mm -hmm. wines. So they're purposely created to be high in polyphenols and antioxidants and low in sugar. And mm. I've had it, both of them, the, both, the, the two companies, and it's really delicious. You can't even tell that it's low sugar, actually. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think it's good just from a personal level, I've noticed for me, it is really hard for me to do intermittent fasting when I'm drinking alcohol. And I'm yeah. also, it does something to my blood sugar to where when I wake up in the morning, I want to eat something right away. That's and so I point. think that's where people have to be aware that right. 
just because you can find a low carb option doesn't mean right. it's really going to work for your body effectively to make you feel your best, you know? <laughs> really a great point. Yeah, because it does, it does create an imbalance in blood sugar for many, many people. Mm -hmm. And also it messes with your sleep. So yes. if, if it's disrupting your sleep, you are going to, you're not getting quality sleep. You are going to wake up hungry. Uh, research shows that just simply getting one horrible night's sleep encourages more carb cravings, ingestion, mm -hmm. and um, sugar. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It is interesting when I, if I yeah. am drinking like at 10 at night, the next mm -hmm. day, I want to have chips all day long. And yeah, it's like, what in the exactly world? Why do I want chips right now? And so it, it, I was, I'm thrown off by the alcohol. And so it's just, right. everybody has to, you know, find what works for them, but to be sensitive and self-aware because everybody's body works differently. So right. yeah. That's a really great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, last question I'll ask you before we finish up is if you were to give one piece of advice to spark someone towards wholeness, what would it be? I would say to, you know, because taking care of your health is really a gift, right? When you're, when you have your health, it's a foundation to do everything else. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to that person, if you haven't given up sugar in your life to think about really eliminating it from your diet, added sugar, because it is inflammatory. It's doing, I can't even, hundreds of really toxic uh, actions within the body. And you can't necessarily feel it right now, but later down the road, you will. And right away, you don't realize it, but it's, it's depressing your immune system. It's, and the list goes on. We know about the weight gain and we know about insulin resistance and all of that. So if, if one could simply you know, eliminate added sugar, make that one goal, things will markedly change in your life. Yes, I agree with that. Now, where can people find out more about you and get your books and all that? Uh, yes, you can find me at uh, drlorishemek.com. And you can find all of my books on Amazon. I have Fire Up Your Fat Burn there, The Beginner's Guide to Intermittent Fasting. Um, I have How to Fight Fat Flammation. I talked about those inflamed fat cells, right? <laughs> Has a nice three-week meal plan in there to reverse inflammation, optimize your health, and uh, lose weight. So that's a really great book for that. And then my uh, upcoming book is called The Ketogenic Key which um, is, is in a book that's a, it's going to be a good tool for people to use to optimize their health and weight. For well. sure. And I can attest to that. I really enjoyed it. And I um, thought it was very well written, lots of good practical tips, lots of good information, and um, the recipes are good too. So Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yes, my uh, co-author, co Steve Welch, and I, it took us over a year and a half to write that book. Oh, wow. Oh my <laughs> yeah. goodness. And, uh, the research, there's a lot of research. It's based on a lot of research, which is in the back of the book, but it is, uh, it was a, a definitely a labor of ketogenic love. <laughs> <laughs> that's, sure. that's good. Well, thank you again. It was such an honor to have you on the show. And I have like a whole page full of notes. I learned a lot of good information and I hope it's helpful for everybody else. Thank you so much, Erin. I've loved it.
Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.